And in that weekend, I discovered, A, I'm not alone in this, where, you know, when you're really struggling, you think you're the only one. And B, that there were things that I could do really quickly that would make a big difference in how I was responding to things, how I was reacting to things, and then learn how to turn reaction into response. Welcome back to From Poop to Gold. I'm Benton Crane, your co-host and the CEO of Harmon Brothers. Today, I have on the show with me Janet Fouts. Welcome to the show, Janet. Thank you so much, Ben. Now, Janet is a speaker, a coach, an author, and she specializes in mindful living. She's trained in resilience, mindfulness, emotional intelligence, and conflict management. Yep. That's that's the great start. I, I love to learn more stuff all the time. So I just keep adding to that alphabet soup. So tell us a little bit about that. One, how did you end up as an expert in this space? And two, what are you doing as an expert in this space? You know, like a lot of people who turn to medicine or psychology or coding, whatever it is, we start finding a problem in ourselves and we go, oh, I need help with this. And then once you find what helps with that and helps to make you feel stronger and better. You want to do more of it. And then you start teaching other people. And that's, that's really what happened for me. Um, my partner was diagnosed with cancer and I became a caregiver, which knocked me down. I was running my digital marketing agency at the time and that knocked me down too. And burnout, depression, anxiety, all that set in. It was really hard. Definitely the poop side of this story. Then I started to understand how mindfulness could help me, how really recognizing the state that I was in was actually helpful. Because sometimes when we're really deep in it, we don't actually step back and get a little perspective about how bad is this really? And am I really as busy as I think I am? And then we discover that, yeah, I'm not. I'm just pedaling on my little hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. Once we get off that hamster wheel, life gets better. So that's was really how I got here was going, okay, I'm getting off this hamster wheel and then discovering that I love this stuff. I love what it does for me. I love what it does for others. Like you were literally in a place of burnout, anxiety. You would describe it as anything but a healthy mental state. Is that fair? Absolutely true. I was exhausted. I was burnt out. I was angry. I was depressed. I could come up with a really long list of things and doing a lot of things that were not helping. You know, I started drinking. I started just kind of aimlessly driving around to try to like get off that hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. You know, all the things we do that are about avoidance and you can't just keep avoiding things. You've got to deal with this stuff. So that's what I started to do. How did you get introduced to mindfulness? How did you learn about it? I went to a retreat and it was called mindfulness-based stress reduction, which is a very well-known modality. And it's really started at MIT with John Kabat-Zinn. And it's about how can we reduce our stress and how can we start to take more charge of our lives and what we're doing. And in that weekend, I discovered, A, I'm not alone in this, where you know when you're really struggling, you think you're the only one. And B, that there were things that I could do really quickly that would make a big difference in how I was responding to things, how I was reacting to things, and then learn how to turn reaction into response, which is really key in mindfulness. It's one of the reasons that I talk a lot about this thing called microdosed mindfulness, because I think people think that you have to meditate for 20 minutes every hour or something to be mindful, and you don't. You just have to recognize, what am I feeling right now? Okay, I'm a little tense. 
Maybe I'm a little frustrated. And then going from there. And it's really just about recognizing the states that we're in. I love that distinction that you point out because I was initially introduced to mindfulness and meditation through a childhood friend of mine. And he had gone through this experience where he, he had a lot of success in his business and in his career, essentially made a fortune and, you know, had the quote unquote life of nice cars and nice house and all the things and, and all that sort of thing. But he was, he was stressed. He was full of anxiety. He was unhappy. His marriage was falling apart. Uh, he had business relationships that were falling apart and, you know, he, he was a mess. And he ended up going to a, a monastery in southern France and studying under essentially a monk and, and learning how to meditate. And through that, he was able to turn his life around, but he also decided to go all in 100% on this new yeah. life of meditation. And he, you know, he sold his business and quit his career and ended up dedicating himself to, you know, meditating many hours a day and, and this sort of thing. And more power to him. It's worked out for him. But I know that for me, that can be really intimidating when, I, when I'm looking at it and saying to myself, well, I know I need to be thinking more about mindfulness to deal with my stress and with my anxiety. And I see times where I'm turning to avoidance and mindlessly scrolling through Facebook, you know, just to escape, you know, the, the, the moment or whatever it is. And, and so I know I need these things. But when I think about the level that my friend threw himself in, to. I don't even see that as like attainable or it's not even a possibility. To talk to us more about kind of the, the micro side of this, can you see the benefits from it in, you know, bite-sized doses? Absolutely. You know, one of the things that really mindfulness is just paying attention, okay? It's just paying attention and going, oh, I've been scrolling on Facebook for a long time. And now I'm at a point where once I recognize that's the mindfulness part and the emotional intelligence part says, maybe I should go do something else. Maybe I should get up from the computer. Boom, you're done. That's mindfulness right there. We don't have to go to an ashram. We do not have to go to a long retreat. And every time that we just stop and become aware of what's going on around us, every time we stop talking and actually listen to the other person with an open heart, not just I'm listening to you, waiting for you to get done talking so I can get my turn, but actually listening to the other person and trying to appreciate their position, that's mindfulness. So these little moments make up mindfulness throughout our day. And as we're aware, okay, the phone just rang. I'm not going to finish this email right now. I'm going to stop and I'm going to decide, okay, I'm going to answer the phone and I'm going to be present with the phone. And then I'm going to go back to my email. There's so many moments, just micro moments throughout our day that we can be more mindful. And as we do that, we find that we're less distracted. We find that we're less unfocused because we are monotasking. We're doing one thing at a time and we're giving it our full attention. So it's really very simple. And, you know, when I work with clients, it's about, okay, let's, let's clock through your day. You know, if, if you're a caregiver, for example, and you say, I'm just too busy for this stuff. Let's step back and look at your day and see where you have 10 seconds to just take a breath and be with yourself and let that be okay. It's really beautiful. And honestly, it saved my life. Tell us a little bit about that 
transition that you, know, you you told us about kind of the darkness that led up to that discovery. And I'm sure that before you got to a point where you devoted yourself to sharing this and teaching this and, and training people on this, you first had to see a transition in your own life. Talk us through what yes. that transition was like. What, what did you see change? I started to notice all those places where I was being busy for busy's sake because I didn't want to deal with what was going on around me. You know, my company was strong. Struggling. My partner was struggling. We were trying to maintain so many balls in the air. And that was part of the problem was trying to do too much at one time that mm -hmm. didn't really need to be done. And I started to recognize those things. And little by little, I started rearranging the way that I did things and started catching myself. And that's the key. You know, I'm also a tiny habits coach. And one of the things that BJ Fogg teaches mm -hmm. that I just really appreciate is if you catch yourself doing something and you make a change, celebrate it, really celebrate it. Go, wow, I finally realized that I've been doing this thing that's driving me crazy. That's a win. And when you celebrate it, you change the way your brain works. It's, it's a positive neuroplasticity kind of thing where we can actually rewire our brain to stop doing those negative things, to stop thinking those negative thoughts, that self-doubt, and turn that around to, okay, I made a mistake there, but last time I didn't make a mistake and it worked out. I'm going to be okay. We can start reframing. We can start reworking the way we look at things. And I won't tell you that, you know, I did a retreat and overnight I was perfect and everything was fine because that's not true. It took me five years. But over that period of time, I really started working with other people and helping them. And I found that this is my true calling. This is what I need to be doing. It fulfills me and it makes other people feel great about themselves. Who wouldn't want that? Yeah, it, it makes a huge impact on people's lives and their well-being. I don't remember where I heard it said. There's a quote that's coming to my mind, and I'm, I'm probably going to butcher it, but I want to hear your thoughts on it. I, it was something to the effect of anxiety lives in the future. When we're thinking about the future, that's when we're anxious about what is going to happen and we're worried about it. Regret and remorse live in the past where we're thinking about the could of, the would of, the should of, you know, all, all of that sort of thing. And it's only in the present where we're actually able to just experience life as it is right now with no regret of the past or anxiety of the future. And yet for some reason we choose to spend the majority of our time either thinking about the past or thinking about the future and going into autopilot on the present and just letting the present kind of pass by subconsciously. One, I, I, I want to hear, does, does that resonate? And two, how do we kind of snap ourselves out of that so that we we spend less time in the in the future or the past and more time in the present. Yeah, absolutely it resonates. I mean, when we're looking at the future and we're worrying about something that could happen, it can overwhelm us. And when we're worrying about, oh, I didn't do this or that didn't work or whatever it is, we're not being present in the moment. And most of the time when we are actually in this moment and we take a breath and we go, right now I'm safe. Right now I'm not feeling pain. Even when you have a lot of pain in your life, it goes in cycles. You have pain and then you don't have pain. When you can recognize in this moment, I don't have pain, it allows you to give a little more space to not anticipating that pain. The more we can come back to just take a breath, give yourself 10 seconds, and then think about those things. And also, as I said before, when you catch yourself in that negative self-talk, in that worrying about the past or worrying about the future, just catch yourself and go, okay, but I'm here now. I'm not there. We don't even know if that's going to happen. And nine 
you know, 90% of it or whatever isn't going to happen. So why don't I just be here and deal with what is present right in front of me? Where can our listeners follow you, learn more about what you do and keep in touch with you? I am Jay Fouts pretty much everywhere. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, it's Janet Fouts. And my website is janetfouts.com. But if people have any questions, they can always DM me or they can email me at janet at janetfouts.com. Thank you for, uh, for coming on the show, Janet. We appreciate you sharing your story and your wisdom with us. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And for our listeners, if you like what you've heard, make sure to check out harmanbrothers.com to learn more. And as always, like, share, and subscribe to the podcast, and we'll see you on the next episode. Want to learn the tricks of our trade? We have them all laid out in our courses on Harmon Brothers University. This isn't surface level stuff here. This is our entire playbook, all our secrets laid out in full, the same training we give our own employees. You'll find courses on ad buying, writing video scripts to sell your product or service, creating the kind of large production ads we're known for, even making short ads using nothing but your cell phone. If you're looking to use video marketing to take your business to the next level, Harmon Brothers University has the course for you. Our students have seen incredible growth in their businesses by implementing what they learned in our courses. Take these reviews as living proof. We've now got multiple campaigns that are in the millions of views and in the multiple millions of dollars in sales. Within a week, we're close to 10 million views, over a million in sales, And most impressively, we've covered 100% of the production costs in the first 24 hours of releasing it. We saw immediate results. Sales went up 10x the first day. The first video we did is over 30 million views. The most customers that we've ever acquired in a single month. I think we had about 26,000 new customers. Go to harmanbrothersuniversity.com to start accelerating your business's growth with video.